0: Driving in the sun, picking up for number one, California, here we come, right back where we started
1: from.
2: All right, everybody, what's up? Well, you, Welcome back to another episode to of the run, 23
1: Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Right Hello, everybody. I'm hoping you're enjoying reliving the early 2000s with me. Heading to the O.C. Sweet 16 bound, baby. Feels pretty good. Yeah,
2: man. Headed to Anaheim to take on the Michigan Wolverines.
1: We'll have to come back to this. It's too good. <laughs> it's too good to waste it all now. <laughs> so I, I hear Michigan's pretty good. Nah, man. <laughs> they uh, Are
2: you worried? You don't look worried. Not at all. Oh, okay. We're gonna roll through this. Oh man! Final game, championship, championship. (laughs) No man, Um, Colin
1: shots. Colin shots.
2: I mean, if you look at how Texas Tech has been playing, it's hard to. I mean, with the assumption that everything stays the same in terms of their performance, hard to feel like you don't have a, a puncher's chance to get to the finals.
1: I agree. It's
2: but you've got three teams standing in your way to do that. You've got Michigan, most likely Gonzaga, most likely Duke. So, you got your work cut out for it. That's you. pretty rough. Um, so, yeah, you've, you've made it to this week, 16. First two rounds of the NCAA tournament went by quickly. Tournament started on Thursday. Tech played on Friday. Then the Thursday winners played again on Saturday. Friday winners played on Sunday. And after four days, we had the Sweet 16. Just like that, went from 68 to 16. Yep. First game Wednesday? Nope. Friday. Texas Tech played on Friday.
1: Yes, Friday at 12:30.
2: 12:30 took on the Northern Kentucky Norse.
1: I was a little bit worried about this. Pink Raider. Let's go, man. <sighs> let's no. Let's let's not go that far. And and the first the first half kind of. It, it seemed like I had justification to be a little bit worried. We only went into halftime with a four point lead. Uh, the good news is that we blew the lid off of it in the second half. Yep, and
2: cruised to a fifteen point win. Yeah,
1: very very convincing fashion. Didn't really uh, didn't really seem like it was in jeopardy much long after halftime was over.
2: Yeah, it was uh, thirty to twenty six at half, um, and then you outscored them 42 thirty one in the second half. So you put on twelve more points; they only put on five, and that was it for the Northern Kentucky Norse. Their their uh, leading scorer, Drew McDonald.
1: No relation, unfortunately. No, no relation no, to no one to Michael. No table. one in my family is that athletic.
2: Came into the game averaging 19.1 points per game. Texas Tech defense held him to two of 13 shooting, to a measly five points.
1: They were they were all over him. I. And Tech has that effect on people. You know, I think we've seen it enough to know that every time a good player faces Tech, that they're not in a slump. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. The defense. They are thrown off. They're not getting the shots that they want. They're trying to force some stuff because they're not getting the shots that they want. I, I know there were a few threes that McDonald took that seemed like he was just, just trying to get the lid off the basket. And fortunately for us, he was never able to. Uh, I kind of felt bad for the guy because he was a four year senior, been there. Mm-hmm. I think he was, uh, Roaring mentioned last week that he was recruited before the most recent coach was hired and then de- yeah and then decided to stick around anyway mm-hmm. so it meant a lot for him to play all four years he set all sorts of records there uh i think he's on some of the high point lists just in college basketball basketball in general just for uh, averaging almost 20 points a game for his whole career but the they gu- were uh yeah, Sharp Sharp was the one that surprised mm-hmm.
2: me. So he's the one that like as soon as we started talking about him, he's a blue collar guard, <laughs> aka a white guard. Um he reminded me a lot of Matt Mooney, and not because he's white, but because it was that that supporting shooting guard role, but that was also really tenacious on defense. He was. Um Sharp st- stepped up when, when the tech defense kind of put the the shackles on McDonald. He's ended up scoring twenty-three points in the game um in thirty-five minutes. They had four starters play thirty-four or more minutes. Which My is gosh. a lot of minutes. Uh Sharp played thirty-five, D- dantez Walton thirty-six, Jalen Tate thirty-six, Drew M- McDonald thirty-four. Um, Dantez Walton was your next leading scorer at 11 points. Everybody else had fewer than six. So there was not many buckets to be had by the Northern Kentucky Norse. Not all that surprising when you talk about the defensive effort from Texas Tech for this entire season. But they were held to just under 36% from the field in the first half, just over 37% in the second half for the game, shot 37%. They were 22% from three, which is where they were not able to keep up. No. I think three was kind of their, um, that mid-major, we're going to keep up with the big guys. like That's how they do it is is they play a a defensive team that that doesn't have a lot of possessions like Tech does and it's also able to shoot the three. Well, when they shot the three, they just didn't make it. They were five of 22 Mm. on the day. 20, just under 23%, um, and then only shot eight free throws the entire game,
1: which That's, is big. That seems awfully low. They were
2: two of four in the first half, four of four in the second half. Texas what? Tech, on the other hand, um, shot 17 free throws, way, way down on their, on their percentage, uh, connecting on just under 59%. Because they were 1 of 8 in the first half. They went 0 for 8 to start.
1: Like, that was terrible. Even even Moretti missed Even two. Moretti missed, yeah.
2: I think his season percentage dropped to 93. <laughs> it may have. Because um, like the, they mentioned that on the broadcast that like the free throw misses are contagious and it even affected Moretti. And they were like, oh, he's, a, he's like the number one free throw maker in the NCAA.
1: Yes.
0: And he missed too bad. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back to back.
1: Well, and then he even missed missed one against Buffalo as well. At least one that I know of. That. Unacceptable. It's taking a beating, man. But then they
2: they finished the second half nine for nine. They were perfect from the free throw line in the second half. Um, Taxi Tech shot 50% from three in the first half, 52% from the field. Uh, shot just under 54% from the field in the second half, so they were just super efficient. Um, they took twice as many threes in the second half, still only connected on three, so their, their percentage dropped uh, to 27%. Anyways, long story short, Jarrett Culver, your leading score 29 points, uh, eight rebounds, one turnover, one block, one steal. Dude was everywhere for you. He led the team in minutes as well, played 34, nearly had a double double.
1: Also had seven assists.
2: Yes, seven assists. That's very could have been close to a triple double.
1: Yeah, it, it was in that territory. And as far as You know, I I don't want to just dismiss Culver because, or or move on. I was about to talk about something else, so I feel like we should continue to talk about twenty-nine points from the young man. I believe it was the most points of the day from any player. Uh, I think he impressed people the most um, without the first name Jaw. In in the first two days, Uh, I I think he single-handedly really got a lot of attention on him. He if you could call it a pedestrian 29 points, I, I didn't, I had no idea. He, yeah. That, I don't want to, I, I am not downgrading it. Y'all know this, but you just look up and, oh my gosh, Culver's got 19. When did that happen? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. He's got 25. I mean, it just, it just kept going 29. It just seemed like it was a, a, just a normal day for him. And, but it was a little bit above and beyond uh, for him. They, they just didn't have an answer. He was, he was making his shots outside. He was, driving and spinning and uh, getting and ones he was he was really effective just all over the court uh, but i i wanted to point out a couple of couple of things that were, were a little bit worrisome but they spoiler alert tightened it up <laughs> in the next game uh, the offensive rebounds
2: i was just looking at that cuz the Ooh. the stat sheet here the way it breaks down is offensive of rebounds dash defensive rebounds you only grabbed two offensive rebounds the entire game. Yeah. As opposed to your twenty nine defensive rebounds.
1: So let's let's we'll we'll think about that. And and, and our our guy, Norrence Odiasse, had half of those. And he only played for fourteen minutes. So he yeah. had half of our offensive rebounds. He by, had with one, one.
2: Tariq Owens had one. And Tariq
1: Owens had one.
2: Culver had eight defensive rebounds, so he led the team in rebounds. Um Also led the team in points. Very nearly led the team in assists. Matt Mooney had eight. Um, Tariq Owens had five blocks. He was fine, man. Odiasse had two blocks. Culver had one block. Had eight blocks for the team. Um, Seven steals, as opposed to Northern Kentucky were able to get three blocks off of you. Six steals. They turned the ball over 17 times. You turned it over 11, which is a few more times than you would have liked, but you take it. Um, on your 18 made field goals, you had... Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> on your 28 made field goals, you had 18 assists.
1: Oh, so good pre-
2: ball movement. Pretty good movement. Pretty good. Um. Yeah, man. You You did what you were supposed to do. You took care of... A, 14 seed, opening round. Then you got to uh, your your prize for for defeating Northern Kentucky was taking on a six seed Buffalo Bulls.
1: Yeah, a 30 plus win team.
2: Yep, everybody's looking at this team like, when man. Um, man the uh, the matchup just it's not favorable. Buffalo likes to get out and run. Uh, they shoot and hit a lot of threes, which is going to keep them in a game. Again, like a team that limits possessions, if they're if Buffalo is able to convert on threes on their possessions, um, it's going to force Texas Tech into a lot of things. But man, um,
1: it started off like
2: on a ten to two run for Texas Tech to start the game.
1: Oh yeah, Tech was up. I think by 11, I think I think they were up 19 to 8 at one point. And I just kind of, I was at home and I kind of just started checking out a little bit, which was not smart. <laughs> and I knew better, but I still thought, oh, wow. Okay, well, I, I guess this is how this is going to go. And Tech's just eventually going to run away with it. But uh, Buffalo definitely made their run later and Tech went mm-hmm. ice cold and which they took the lead for their only time. Yeah, it was one a point lead.
2: Buffalo was able to amass a one point lead. Um, that's their largest lead of the game, and it was th- three and a half minutes to go in the first half. After that, once they got that one point lead, they went on an hour long scoring drought or a field goal scoring drought. Yeah, they had
1: a couple of free throws sprinkled in.
2: Um, well, it was, it was an hour real time. Yeah. Granted, there was a 20 minute halftime in the middle of this, but. Texas Tech finished the first half on an 8-0 run and then started the f- second half on like a 18-3 to 3
1: run. That sounds It <laughs> so, sounds as in- unbelievable as I think that number actually was. That's got to be it. It's close to that. Because
2: I, I think at one point, and it, it may not have been the end of that run, but it was like a 26-3 to 3 run over that span from the end of the first half into the second half before Buffalo hit a few shots. and like, okay. Okay, yeah, they're coming back. But at yeah, that exactly. point,
1: you were up. You you had gotten to like a twenty five point lead. Yeah, you led by as much as twenty nine mm-hmm. with the about second half.
2: Ten minutes to go in the second half, you had a twenty nine point lead. Labar pointed this out. You very nearly doubled them up. NCAA tournament style, yeah, in, in the second half, yeah, um, in the round of thirty two, you were, I think two or three points away, and this is right when Buffalo started scoring again. It's right when it, it got, I think it was like 62 to, no, it was like, help me out here, like 62, 33, and you're like, we've got like three or four more points, or whatever it was, to like, you doubled them up, and then
1: they. They wouldn't let us have it.
2: I wouldn't, wouldn't let you have it. I don't blame them. Um, and you didn't get a 30-point lead. That, that that elusive forty point lead never never materialized. Because I doubt it's gonna happen against Michigan. I doubt it's gonna happen against Gonzaga if you make it through. And I doubt it's gonna happen against Duke if you make oh it my through. Oh gosh. No. So if that happens though, if you get a forty point lead in one of those games, like everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna be like penciling tech in all the way through. Um Jarrett Culver again led the team in scoring, did not have twenty nine points, had sixteen, but you had all five starters in double figures scoring wise. Culver had 16, Odease had the game of his life. He had 14 points, 15 rebounds. Um Moretti had 11 points, Mooney had 11 points, Owens had 10 points. As a team you had three blocks. They, they were they were they, all
1: by Mr. Culver. They
2: all came from Mr. Culver. The the one thing that is a little concerning um Is Culver also had five
1: turnovers. Right. But. As did Mooney. Yes, he did. And Mooney had five turnovers in both games.
2: The turnovers that Mooney and Culver had, they were, it seemed like they were in the first half, and that's kind of what helped keep Buffalo close, or to close that gap in the first half. Um, They were just weird times when, like, Culver was trying to hand the ball off to Moretti and they like ran into each other. Yeah. And I remember like that one. a Buffalo player just picked up the ball. There was one like just, they took the ball from Culver. Like he was driving and just like all of a sudden he like he doesn't have the ball anymore. What happened? Right. <laughs> Which is as ironic because he did that to them in the second half. Like he just, just ripped it from somebody's hands. Um, but, yeah, the, the the team, the game that everybody was a little, maybe a little concerned about. Um, you know, you're looking at a 3 6 game. You're like, man, this is a, a chance for a, another mid major to to kind of sneak up and um, make a name for themselves. You ended up just blowing them out. It was the biggest lead of, uh, I think, any of the games of, of Saturday or s- Sunday. I don't think any game was clo- close to what you had. Um I don't know their season shooting percentage, but you held Buffalo to 36.5% shooting from the field, 333 from three, and only 50% from the line. Um, so a team that runs around, that um, has really quick possessions, uh, scores 80 points a game, you held them to 37% shooting and 58 points. 25 and there, at half.
1: Well, and there was some stuff. You know, You mentioned the speed. There was some stuff before... I didn't really look that into it. I think some folks on Twitter got really riled up about one of their players talking about Texas Tech playing slower and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But Texas Tech does play slower. They use up a lot of shot clock. They set up a half-court offense. They make as many passes as they can. That makes sense. As it takes. Right. And that's what they do. So I I wasn't – I think some some other people just thought that maybe apparently they meant – that our guys run slower, but and got upset, but that doesn't make sense either. So, the one thing I wanted to to touch on on that is we've been given Seth Davis a lot of a lot of crap, and rightfully so because his he, pregame pick was like his pregame pick in the Athletic was Tech, and not only Tech to win but Tech to cover. And I think the spread was three and a half. It wasn't very big, but he did have Tech picked to cover. But his his video pick before the game, he was in his video. He was pic. like,
2: "Screw that! It's Buffalo all the way." He had their like their their logo up, and he was like shaking that around. Yeah, he's like, "This is going to be a the big upset." And he put uh, "upset" in quotes, uh, quotes cause, air quotes, because yeah.
1: Buffalo's just as good, and that's that's fine. But one thing I wanted to give him some credit for is in the post that he wrote for the Athletic, where he did pick Tech to win, he said that it is much easier to um or it's it's really hard for a fast team to make a slow team play fast. Something of that effect. So it's it's more likely that tech is going to force their type of game onto mm-hmm. Buffalo than the other way around. And that's exactly what happened. Uh tech just methodically would take the ball down the court, find an open shot. I think Tariq Owens had two monstrous alley-oops. Uh, I know one of them was right out of a timeout. He rolled from the top of the key, and Mooney hit him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just beautiful. So I'd, I think Buffalo's had a great season. They had, they had a over good team. Now. Yeah. I mean, I said had. <laughs> had in past tense. Uh, but I, I don't think we should take too much into what they said before the game about playing slower. I think it was just more of a philosophy thing.
2: Or take too much from what the coach said after the game and said that – um, he made, I don't remember the exact comment he made, but it was essentially that if we played them four times, it may, it may have been a different story or, or something. I don't know. Hey, which is fine. I mean, it's true. Uh, you see it. I, m- maybe you don't go on an hour long scoring drought.
1: Right. And, and you see those type of games. That's kind of the negative side of a seven game NBA playoff series. You see that a lot. It's, It's bizarre one night a team will lose by 25 then the next time the next night they'll win by 25 and it'll just go back and forth like that and then finally you'll have a competitive game 7 it seems like they just decide oh well we're down by 15 whatever we're we're not we'll going to win next. let's just do whatever for the rest of the game and then we'll you know we've got a few more to figure this out but it, he might have a point but college is so much different than than pros and the mentality of it is different so you beat the Buffalo Bulls, seventy-eight fifty-eight.
2: Going to the Sweet Sixteen, uh, baby.
1: I didn't. I didn't know you were going to pipe that back in. That was a nice I surprise. Had to. Welcome to the OC. Texas I'm Tech- going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. Uh, you know, PG
2: here. Sorry. Ah, appreciate it. Texas Tech will face the two seed Michigan on. Thursday night, eight thirty-nine central time on good old CBS. Um, really quickly. Uh, let's look at the rest of the sweet 16. The other okay. teams that, that advanced with you, um, out of the West, you have the one seed Gonzaga and the four seed Florida state, which, so I, I thought this was really interesting. Um, Two so like half of the the regions had one two three four advance to the sweet sixteen. One region had one two three five, and the other one had one two three twelve. So the twelve is obviously the outlier here. Oregon, the five and Auburn was, I mean, not the four seed Kansas, but not that out of the out of the ordinary. But like. If you ignore Oregon, which uh, you can't, there, there are 12 seed in the in the Sweet 16. Like, this is one of the most, like, as expected almost Sweet 16s that there is because very nearly had chalk Sweet 16. One well, through four, top four seeds out of every bracket make it through.
1: Well, and that was what was mentioned on Friday. Excuse me. Or uh, Good one. This. <laughs> for the the round of 32 it was the first time i believe that every favored team has won i don't think there were any i don't think there were any upsets to get into the sweet 16 although i'm trying to it seems like auburn upset kansas i keep hearing this on the radio but i'm not sure how it know. makes sense i don't
2: know if it was much of an upset i mean it was a a four or five game so if it was an upset, it was a very small one. Um, but I think I, I remember hearing you right. Be, because of the upset that uh, UC Irvine had to get in, because um, they, they defeated the four seed on that side, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a 12-13 seed was going to face Virginia. So there wasn't like, it was a 12 versus 13. 12 made it through. Um, and then the five over four. So you had two games with a a one seed difference. So the upsets that were there, it was only a possible one seed difference. Um, Auburn over Kansas um, would be the only upset because Oregon was the 12 over the 13 UC Irvine. So uh, Thursday games will go as follows. Gonzaga, Florida state uh, from the West will be at six Oh nine on CBS the two seed and the three seed from the South Tennessee versus Purdue six 30 on TBS. Then these games will follow, um, Michigan versus Texas tech on CBS and then Virginia, Oregon from the South on TBS. Excuse me. Friday will be Michigan state, the two seed versus the three seed from the East. Um, this will mirror the same time slots from Thursday, six o'clock on CBS, uh, one seed North Carolina, five seed Auburn from the Midwest, 630 on TBS, then Duke, Virginia Tech, eight thirty, two to Kentucky, three Houston
1: at nine. These are some interesting basketball games. They're going to be, they're going to be fun to watch.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at, at the seeds alone, like it's not the only outlier again is Virginia, Oregon. Um, the rest of these games, you're like, man, like, Anybody could beat anybody. Yeah. Um, Florida State's played well. G- Gonzaga's always going to be a little scary. Um, Tennessee and Purdue could be a really good game. Michigan, Texas Tech, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Interesting to see if Oregon can keep their their little streak rolling here against Virginia. Um, again, with a team like Virginia that limits possessions as long as Oregon's being efficient on their offensive side could keep it really interesting Michigan State LSU I didn't think LSU would make it through the weekend um I either didn't know their their situation or I was overestimating the impact of what that may have been um they barely made it over their sixth seed Maryland um that was a really interesting game I watched Saturday afternoon before baseball um before T-ball, let me put it that. Oh, way. okay. Not baseball. This was not a baseball game. I okay. Watched. <laughs> um, before the before your cubbies, before my my precious cubbies, Duke nearly lost it against UCF and Taco Fall. Um, that was so very close. The the officials definitely carried Duke into that the the Sweet 16. That final foul where uh, Taco Fall f- fouled out and put Zion Williamson shooting free throws. That was a charge. Dude, like, lowered his shoulder and trucked Taco Fall.
1: Was Taco in the restricted area?
2: No. It was like, he was in the lane. He wasn't in the restricted area. Because so he started
1: from, like, the elbow area. He's, he's menacingly
2: large. I mean, he probably fell and hit his head out of bounds from where he got knocked over. But Possibly. That's also because he's nearly eight feet tall. Possibly the bottom of the backboard first possibly. There was um there's a replay of a dunk from that game. It was Taco Fall. Dude maybe got up to his tiptoes.
1: Yeah, when he dunked it. I haven't it was towards I know <laughs> towards that the end. yes, it was towards the end of the game because I watched that live and and they passed it into him and, and he just immediately threw it down and I just I, it's like there's no movement. I know. It was it was jarring because I haven't watched a lot of UCF basketball and I'm not used to seeing what is he 7'6"? Seven seven foot six inches tall. Okay, I'm not used to seeing a lot of seven six guys anymore. You know, George and he's 350 Murasan pounds. San so is no longer around, and
2: he's got some bulk to him too. Yeah, he's, he's not like
1: a little bean pole. Yeah, he's not a minute bowl out there, but he was <laughs> speaking of minute. Very bowl, impressive. He, you know, his
2: son Bol is a Oregon team. I think he's like seven three or something.
1: I didn't know he was that tall. Was he hurt? Bol I think he was yes, hurt. He's seven three, but. Yeah, oh with with taco that was, I, I just you just kind of forget. I, we had Boban Marjanovic. I, I can't say his last name on the Spurs for a couple of years, and it was kind of that same way. He'd come out Who cares about the Spurs. Well, he was he was seven three, I think, and he was one of those guys that they would do that same thing too. And he would just he, the ball the ball would wind up in his hands, and then before you knew it, it was dunked. You don't even know how it happened. You don't know how much he jumped, if he jumped at all. It's just in his hands, there's people all around him. did not matter. He just, he, okay, yeah. I'm going to dunk it. There's nothing you can – there's not a thing you can do about it. And that was, you know, really jarring to see that towards the end of that game. And I thought, man, they just got to just gotta get in the ball in there. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to – you never want to look ahead that far, but you do just have it in the back of your mind if Tech were somehow able to get past Michigan – and presumably Gonzaga, they would face Duke more than likely, or maybe not if UCF were to knock them out. So I was I had it on the split screen during that part of the game. I was flipping back and forth yeah. because
2: at the time it was like it was lining up really well. There were some timeouts on the, during the Texas Tech game. I could flip yeah. back and watch the action on the the Duke UCF game. Vice versa. So, Bull Bull, his name is Bull Manute Bull. Son of Manute Bull. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, He's 7'3". Wingspan of 7'8". So, he's got the... That's just incredible. Yeah. Um, So, let's talk about Texas Tech, Michigan. Um, Confession, I suck as a podcast host. I didn't get a Michigan expert to get on the podcast with us this week.
1: Tears are streaming down my face as I say this. But Dan has stake in the planes covered.
2: Yeah, so we we definitely will still we stake in the planes, and Dan will have us covered, um, with somebody from umhoops.com. dot com.
1: Yep they're uh, they're kind of like the. Well, I'm not I'm not sure they're they're a pay site they're it's a pay, pay site for uh, Michigan fans. Yep. Um, this game though, it is. So much
2: like looking into the mirror. Um, Texas Tech BPI have a score of 17.4. Michigan BPI 18.4. Um, sorry, I was looking for something really quickly. The Texas Tech defense I think is first. Michigan's third.
1: Right, uh, inefficiency.
2: In efficiency. Uh, the Tech offense I think is a slightly lower rate. I think it's 34th. no. 59th.
1: I don't know. I haven't looked at the offensive numbers. The
2: the offensive numbers are a little bit behind Michigan's. Um but I think that may I think that may be season numbers and not like the past 10-12 games because if you're looking at that Texas Tech offensive numbers should be a little bit higher. Um well I wanted to go then do that. But you also you also can't discount the games where you struggled because right. that's, that's still part of who you are.
1: Well, I wanted to go into that a little bit. We're we are in the middle of a Moretti slump. If there is such a thing, uh, our guy, our favorite Italian, has taken seven threes. Italian scion. He's taken seven threes in the NCAA tournament and made zero. Out. Which is a little bit worrisome. And Mooney, who was starting to catch fire a little bit there towards the end of the Big 12 season, he's hit two threes. But he's taken a bunch more, hasn't he? Uh, he's only taken six. Okay. So he's. He hasn't taken 33%. a lot. But. He hasn't been confident enough to take them either. And for us to kind of hang around with Michigan, I really think Moretti's got to start connecting on on those threes. He's he's had open or looks.
2: Deshaun Corpo. Or Deshaun
1: Corpru. Or Corpru. Or Kyler
2: Edwards. Kyler Edwards came in and hit a couple of threes uh, back-to-back in that Buffalo game. Um, yeah, he sure did. Not that you were getting concerned, but Buffalo's offense was starting to score a little bit in the second half. Um Edwards came in, hit those three uh, those two threes back to back that kind of carry tech through that little mini run and extinguished any momentum that Buffalo
1: was able to build. Um Right. And and Corpus, he's only taken two threes, but he made one. He made one. It was a really flat shot, too. I don't know if you saw it, it was in in the last game. It was, it was a thing of beauty. Kind of a doink. <laughs> <laughs> it still counts, man. So I I worry about that a little bit, uh, not too much. I I would not be surprised at all if Moretti came out on Thursday night and you know went four for six or something from three <laughs> three point land. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I and it, what's what's crazy with his threes, with the exception of maybe one or two, they all looked like they were going in to me. Mm-hmm. Every one of them just seemed like, oh man, all right. That one's going in, and then you were surprised, and he was probably just as surprised as we were that they didn't. So I think this is a little, just just a matter of time. Maybe the, maybe the uh, the Tulsa air wasn't kind to him. He'll he'll do better out in a kind of a drier, Anaheim climate. Is
2: Anaheim dry, or are they close to the coast? I I don't know the I don't know the geography of Southern California. Oh
1: yeah, they well they are close to the coast. That was They're a lot closer dumb. than Tulsa
2: is. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, but I, I still think. It's weird. It's not humid out there. It's just quick weather check. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it's not like going to Corpus or, you know, Houston or something.
2: It's a balmy 64 degrees there right now. Yeah. Uh, weather for Thursday high of 69. Nice. Low of 50. Uh, humidity 53%, 10% chance of rain, 12 mile per hour wind.
1: Just know it doesn't rain out there. Doesn't rain here either. Mm -mm. That's what I'm saying. Kind of, kind of a more, a closer climate to Lubbock than.
2: It's a humid, non-rainy environment. Yeah, with a beach. With a beach. (laughs) All right, let's let's look at the um, this game by the numbers. We already talked about the BPI: 17.4 for Tech, 18.4 for Michigan, Um, 538. Has Texas Tech as a slight favorite. Is this percentage 51-49? Uh,
1: yes, that's that's percentages. And these are all cur- courtesy of Kyle with his yep. uh, coast... Gosh, man. I, a Good thing I don't talk for a living.
2: Tournament odds, sweet 16 Kyle's post. post.
1: Yep. Yes.
2: Uh, Haslametrics has Tech losing very slim margins, 60.8 to 61.4, so less than a full point difference there. The point spread is... Depending where you look, one and a half or two points in favor of Michigan. Yep. Um, betting odds has Michigan at minus one thirty-five, or as low as one twenty. Um, uh, sorry, m- minus one twenty for Michigan or plus one ten for Tech. Um, over under at one hundred twenty-six. So I mean, geez, that's like a first one to sixty wins, right? That's
1: a really that's a really great line. It's a really low. It's like, oh, gosh. Because you you think. Oh, yeah. Well, that's they've got to go over that. And then you think about it a little bit more. It's like the two of the top three defenses in the country yeah, in terms man, of efficiency. If someone won this game 63-60, to 60, I wouldn't be that in... Oh, man, maybe I should take that. That's a great line, of course. And that would be the under. That's, that's their job. Yeah. Um,
2: translation, according to Michael, all caps. It's going to be close, folks.
1: Yes. I, I do believe that the days of... Running people out of the gym and the NCAA tournament have officially come to an end. Okay, but come on,
2: how much fun would it be if we put 30
1: I' That'd be stellar. I'd, a thirty-point lead on Michigan. I, I would. I have Friday off, which is fortunate. I,
2: I think. I think we're taking a half day so we can get on the road to Dallas.
1: Yeah, we're we're going out of town this weekend too. So I've got Friday off. I would. Um, I would celebrate as long as I possibly could, which means probably at least ten minutes after the game's over. Because it's gonna be late, I'm gonna be tired. As much fun
2: as I had, like watching the Buffalo game, I don't think there was a lot of post game celebration besides watching like every single video that came out on Twitter from the athletic department. One, they couldn't post any game highlights; it had to come from the NCAA, which I think is a stupid rule, both for basketball tournament and for
1: baseball postseason tournaments. No, NCAA doesn't make stupid rules. I, I think we're just you're a, right. You're we're right. all wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, but all those game, all those videos, amateur sports. All those videos, excuse me, from the post game about the the locker room dance, the little post game speech from Beard talking about playing for the man next to you. Um, he said that they were picked, you know, to finish last in the conference. They weren't picked. I think they were
1: bottom half for sure. I think they were seventh.
2: Because I was about to get them confused with where Baylor was picked, because they were picked at ninth. Um, and they're back to back Sweet Sixteen trips. Um interesting note beard picked up another $50,000 bonus for winning getting the sweet 16 it's not His too bad season bonus total is up to 425,000 I wouldn't mind just, just just taking that man yeah, yeah. it's a write off <laughs> go ahead and keep your your your
1: your base salary and I'll take the the bonus I, but speaking of money really quickly this is not related at all <laughs> supposedly i heard on Whatever it was, Mike and Mike. You have to excuse the audio, autoplay video. <laughs> I know. They, they pop up out of nowhere. The, the amount of money that Rob Gronkowski's made mm-hmm. as a player, he has yet to touch. Supposedly, he has $60 million in the bank. Just sitting there. I wouldn't. According to one of, not Mike and Mike, whatever the show is now with Greenberg on it. No, not Greenberg. Ugh. The one on the radio. The mic that didn't get Golic? to stay on TV. Golick, Golick and Wingo. Golick and Wingo. Wingo. Sorry, I don't know Wingo babies. ESPN, per, ESPN personalities that well. <laughs> oh, that was so terrible. That was awful. We got it. We got to get that drop.
2: <laughs> hey, producer, did you save that? Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's coming up next. Um, so I think without having a a Michigan preview here, the the one thing that we can point you to is a an article. From ninety seven the ninety seven point one FM, the ticket. Um, he's talking about Michigan's plan. Slow down, Jarrett Culver, which is everybody's plan. Let's, let's be honest. That's not like anybody's going to focus on. Dude, we have to stop Noren Odiasse. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad plan. No, that's think. not a bad plan. But <laughs> if you're
1: ignoring Culver, you're going to get. You're going to te- yeah, you're gonna have to double team. Yeah, you're going to have to double team Odiasse any time a shot goes up. Dude, he was so physical. He's going to grab it. Like, well, let's let's bounce back just really quickly. Okay, you know how we talked about how we only had two offensive rebounds. You're, a- you're against right against the Norse. We did not talk about that. Texas enough. Tech as a team had 15 against Buffalo, and that included the uh, seven that you mentioned from our guy Norenso Odiasse.
2: Seven offensive rebounds, eight defensive rebounds.
1: Yeah, and his minutes went up from I think it was 14 to 25. So Beard obviously left him in there. It, I mean, he was being as effective as hell. Why wouldn't dude, you? He, why wouldn't you leave him in there?
2: Four for four from the field, six yeah. of seven from the free throw line.
1: The dude missed one shot all day, and it was, it was a free, a free throw. throw.
2: He picked up as many points, almost as many points as, as as he took shots for.
1: Yeah, I mean, even had an assist. The dude was all over the place. Yep. So one I, turnover. I I was really impressed with his play and yeah, maybe maybe they should game plan for maybe hopefully no Wolverine fans are listening to this, but maybe they should game plan some some way to keep him away from the class. I don't know how you do it, but you
2: had thirty defensive rebounds in the game against Buffalo. Um compared to thirteen offensive rebounds for Buffalo. So on the when Buffalo's shooting the ball and they missed. You had a thirty to thirteen advantage on if you were grabbing the ball or if they were. It was one of That's the almost a three to one advantage.
1: Yeah, and it was one of the big factors of the game was just the dominance on the class. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what we talked about losing to West Virginia in the Big Twelve Tournament. West Virginia dominated the class. They had all sorts of second chance shots. I don't know what Tech was thinking, what they were doing. They weren't finding anybody to, to block out. Guys were sneaking around the back corner all the time, getting rebounds, getting easy shots. So it. kind of glad I didn't watch that game. Yeah, it's been a nice, you know, the Norse game was, was odd, just having two offensive rebounds. But the the rebound discrepancy was a little bit closer. The Norse still out-rebounded you. I think it was 37-31. But then you just dominated, or 39-31, sorry. Then you dominated Buffalo on the glass and. Tech's got to be able to do that, and it's gonna be so much it's gonna be difficult to do that against Michigan. But if you do, yeah, if you do look out. Yeah. If you do, you are in you are in good shape. You're in the Elite Eight. You're oh man. What a what a crazy thought. Back to back years, maybe. This was uh this was a stat that Don Williams was arguing a little bit on Twitter. Wait, wait, wait.
2: which Don Williams?
1: Well <laughs> the, the gentle giant from Floyd Data has he's no longer with us but Don Williams from the AJ had uh he he argued a little bit with the Texas Tech basketball Twitter account who said this is the first time that Tech has made back-to-back sweet 16s in program history and Don said well actually they made they made it to the round of 16 in in the 60s two years in a row and then but that was a smaller tournament right well it wasn't just that but the tech account said yes but it wasn't called the sweet 16 then and then they kind of went back and forth and I quit reading it. I just thought, okay, I get the gist. So there was
2: <laughs> and of course he probably was like, "No, no, I'm I'm still right." Tech Don Tech Williams. made it
1: Tech made it to the round of 16 uh back to back more than once. Okay. That's fine. Back one of them the was yeah. yeah. One of them was 60 years ago, but
2: you had, you had to play at least one fever game.
1: Yeah, to get there. Right. But Of course one fever. He've only played two. Yeah, but you did get there back-to-back back in the, in the same, uh, same two years in a row. Which means? What's that mean? It means... Hold on. Oh, wait for it. One. <laughs> California, here we come.
2: <laughs> Sorry, the, the computer was on mute the first Did time. Did you ever even that. watch The O.C.? I've never seen an episode of it. Oh, my gosh. But every chance I get to drop California, here we come... Well, I, I'm all for it. And here's the thing: the team's
1: already there. Like they flew out today. They did. They're Avery there. Benson had his cowboy hat on. Benson, his John Wayne quote <laughs> on the Twitter. Um,
2: sorry. Let's get back to the, uh, the the matchup of the game: Culver versus Charles Matthews.
1: Yeah that that article you mentioned from 97 won the ticket. Uh, the the guys that are hosts. <clears throat> excuse me. Jamie and Stony who I I don't know and I'm not going (laughs) to pretend to know. They're guys that host a radio show and they had uh, John Beeline call in and they talked about Michigan versus Tech. And that was exactly what he mentioned was that he's, he's going to get uh, Charles Matthews on Culver. And it sounds like Matthews, I am not obviously a follower of the Michigan Wolverines, but Matthews is kind of a lockdown defender and could be a guy that could really affect what Culver likes to do. So hopefully we can get him in foul trouble as quick as possible. Maybe he won't be on the court as much.
2: Yeah. So and they also uh, reference the first and defensive efficiency, uh, where Michigan's third. They rank third in the country. To Texas Tech does, and points against per game behind only Michigan and Virginia. Um. Thursday's game may well be a race or a struggle to 60 called it. I I didn't read the article before I said that too. So no, 60 wins. I agree. Um, yeah. So the, the thing about it, this, this, uh, Charles Matthews is going to be the guy that draws the short straw of trying to defend Culver. I think he's a sophomore. the, The guys, um, here, Jamie and Stoney said, let's, let's be real. Like, to slow Culver down, dash. There's really no stopping him, dash. B- B- baleen You said his name is Beeline. Beeline. That makes more sense. We'll deploy. Ooh, we'll deploy his best defender, um, Charles Matthews. Yep. Uh, Charles Matthews is an elite defender. This is from the coach. is an an elite defender, and he takes it personally. Um. But he's a really a good player, and Charles has faced really good players. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but it should be a great battle between two great players. Which, okay, so I I, I prefer to hear that coach speak. Like, okay, we're going to put our, our best defender on their best player, and we're going to see like how, how it turns out. Not this yeah. Texas Tech got lucky. We would have beat them. We played them three more times. <laughs> Buffalo Bulls all the way, baby. <laughs> Screw
1: that guy. <laughs> no, I... I like I like what he had to say, and I as a, uh, as a guy who's a, a fan of Kawhi Leonard, even though he's no longer on my beloved Spurs, I'm interested to see this matchup myself now. California, here we come. That's where we're going to see it, California.
2: Here we go. Um, gosh, I'm just waiting for like a cease and desist letter one day from from all these licensed media clips. But here's the thing, we're we're not we're not we're not a for-profit organization here. We're no. we're a
1: nonprofit, but we're not, I think, we're not making any money on this racket. I think Phantom Planet would let us slide. Maybe maybe Josh hey, Schwartz would let us we're slide.
2: Um, we're we're promoting the OC, guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It just also really helps that
2: Texas Tech fans. Texas Tech basketball is heading to California.
1: I know I've got a uh one of the guys in my office he went to Tulsa for both games. He and his family, and then during the beatdown, his wife booked tickets for them to fly to Anaheim.
2: What a wonderful wife!
1: It's it's a beautiful thing. So they they're, they're <laughs> going to go to Anaheim. I mean, they're huge sports tech sports nuts. They went to Madison to see them play Duke. So uh, you they, mean they were probably singing? California, here we come. <laughs> they will. They will be. It hasn't gotten old to me yet. <laughs> I don't know. Probably everybody's like, "Stop!" Uh, it's fine.
2: Or the, they, they they see it coming and they hit like just in their minds. It's S-T-A-A-A-H-P,
1: Stop. <laughs> no, it takes it takes them back to good know, days. Yeah, it takes them back to the days of Chris Hanukkah and all the other things, all the other crazy things that would happen on the OC. And Oliver, Oliver was the worst. What a guy help people hostage and stuff. Terrible, terrible.
2: Yeah. So as, as, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, Dan has an interview, um, with Dylan Burkhart of um com. That should be going up on Staking the Planes next day or so. I think it's tomorrow or maybe, maybe Thursday morning. Um, we have previewed the questions he's going to ask. There's, there's a really good one in there that, uh, I'm going to share with you guys now. Sorry. Spoiler alert. No, I, I should be apologizing to, to Dan, but it was a question that he, he said he always likes to throw in like like questions where the opposing fans end up hating him. Um, it's actually a question f- from Keith, sorry. Where will the team go for comfort food after getting bounced from the tourney by tech? Do you think he'll actually do that? I certainly hope he does. Because he, here's the thing, it's going to be a whole different realm of restaurants out there and... uh
0: California
1: <laughs> You snuck that one in. <laughs> usually I've been usually I've been able to see it coming. That's not too bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man. We're so unprofessional. Michael, get uh-huh. your crap together. Hey, sorry, sorry.
1: This was my idea to play this song. Yeah, you you wrecked it. This was all your fault. My gosh. Okay, so what else else we got to talk about? We're going to talk
2: about football, we're going to talk about baseball, and we're going to talk about my yard. Okay, let's do it. Football. Footy, footy, football. First of three spring practices coming up this weekend, March 30th, 2 p.m., Lubbock, Texas, Jones, AT&T Stadium. Um, this will be a uh, open to the public event. It will be a team scrimmage. Like I know the my my official friend, my friend that's an official for the American <laughs> Athletic Conference.
1: I thought you meant you had an official designated friend. He, he I thought my, that was really sweet.
2: Yeah, he's he's so good. He's so good to let me tag him, give him the official tag.
1: And I'm just an unofficial friend. But you've got an official friend. I have an official around. friend. Um, the official that is
2: officiates in the American athletic conference does a lot of Houston games was there for the Houston game actually against tech this year. He'll be at this game. Um, he's also one of our biggest vendors from our professional, my professional work at the hospital.
1: Tell him to go easy on us. Don't call no pass interference or nothing. <laughs> um, so yeah, that'll be this weekend, Saturday,
2: 2 PM. Uh, I think it's set up in a way that you can attend other home Events. I don't know. Sorry, the baseball team's on the road. I know that. Um, I don't know if I believe softball's at home. I believe there are other things happening on campus that you can attend after the scrimmage. There will be autograph session um, that they, they've done for a while. They invite everybody down to the field. So get ready for that. First of three scrimmages It's the only one in Lubbock. The next one will be the, um, next Friday, April 5th, in Midland, Friday Night Lights. Um. at Grande Communication Stadium, where we've had the previous Midland scrimmages before. Right. And then the official spring game is April the 13th um, in Frisco. At the Star, right? At the Star in Frisco. Well, how about that? So you'll get three scrimmages in the span of two weeks. Sorry, three weeks. Very nearly three consecutive Saturdays. Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and that'll put a wrap on the spring practice season. Did we talk about the the four players that were suspended last week?
1: We did. We okay. mentioned it. I haven't seen any news I, I updated I, I on that. Hear, did you? No, I, I heard um,
2: Chuck Hines asked for an update about that, and he got a very curt no. Okay. All right. Um, Jamie Lint, however, said... He expects those te- those guys to be back because if they were going to be gone, they'd be gone, right? Um, I can't disagree with them, but I don't know what's going on. Other than they are not currently practicing with the team, um, but they are not, they haven't been removed from the team.
1: I hope it's not, I hope Coach Wells hasn't set some bar a little bit too high. For Can there be a bar too high? There could
2: because he's all about not lowering expectations. They're trying to build a Big 12 championship program, I, Michael. I, uh, so I've heard. I, I, have, I <laughs> and, have heard and, this. And they're not going to lower their expectations this to make sure they keep players. This is true. This This is a thing that has been which said. Which you would know had you watched episode one of Saddle Up, which I, I think is I did. a fantastic name. Yeah. I love the quote from Musburger. I love that it's also... I just love Musburger.
1: Just, just mm-hmm. bring Musburger into anything. I'm good.
2: Yeah. I also love that it's... Um, it's on like the wall in big vinyl letters in the big meeting room. Oh, I missed that. I don't know how I missed that. It's well, it, it's in the background one of those coaches' interviews that they do in the meeting room. I think it's of of Wells, and you're looking up at him, and then behind him, over the shoulder, is the full quote from Musburger, which, if you give me a second, I can pull it up on the good old Texas Tech TV.
1: But well, what's interesting too is that they don't. Uh, it's it's not it's one of those sayings that it just kind of works with Wells, but if Tommy Tuberville had tried saddle up, everybody would have just taken a huge dump on it. What what's this guy trying to pull? Come on, I, I don't get it. Oh, it's the shootout at the corral. Let's yeah, saddle up, that, whatever, buddy. That really weird like hype video, that pregame hype video they did. They were all dressed up and cowboy get up and everything. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm kind of thinking of that probably would have been his version of saddle up and everybody would have come unglued but it kind of works with this and the and the music the intro music for the
2: it's very like western like almost like Yellowstone slash documentary music yeah. I actually tried to Shazam it today no results so. I know I wondered I wonder if it's an original it
1: thing or, or where that came from but it's good Did you did you find it
2: I've got it queued up. I don't know where the the quote is though.
1: Oh, it's right when they're zooming into the Jones. When the vision they're, for me is to put a program all West Texas and Lubbock
2: can be proud of. Sorry, Coach He's Wells, we're gonna have to skip here. We're loud, introductory press conference.
0: Mouth is how fast we're going.
2: Here's the the music Mike was just mentioning. If you're not a Texas Tech, Tech TV subscriber, you should de- definitely be. At least well, this for, is free, at least for the baseball season. I wonder if I plug them enough to let me just play this music for him.
0: When you come to West Texas, folks, saddle up. You're gonna go on a wild ride.
1: There it is. Kind of, kind of has a. Red Dead Redemption type music. I've never played it. Well, I've never seen Yellowstone. So you there's should. two two references neither of us get.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um so episode 2 came out yesterday. Uh I think there was a heavy emphasis on inside receivers coach Luke Wells and the tight ends. A lot of interview uh time with coach Luke Wells. Um, and I believe Bowman and, and and Bowman was talking about basically every Titan on the, on the, on the, the team. He's really excited about the, the incoming freshman Simon Gon- Gonzalez says he's probably the most athletic of the group. Um, you've got your, your H back fullback guys that were converted over Killian and car. Uh, the biggest thing is they're trying to see if they can run routes and catch, but that they're like freight trains. They're going to, they're going to knock you over. Um, Talks about Kuntz coming in, having that little bit of polish coming from Juco. And then DT, Dante Thompson, um, making a little bit of a transition from the position he was playing last season to the, the full-time tight end. He was more of a, a receiver than an um, inline blocker, but that was kind of the focus. I wasn't able to watch the entire thing at work. Neither you know. was I. It's it was, been a we crazy had, week. had work to do. Um, but it's 15 minutes of your time. Available on Texas Tech TV. You said it's it's free day after.
1: Yes, so. uh, like today I was able to just watch it, uh, just Texas Tech TV, Texas Tech TV mm-hmm. on demand, um, on your Roku and on your is Apple TV Apple TV. TV. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure how that works. I wonder if you are not a Texas Tech subscriber, if you could still watch it on those devices. I'm unsure, but I know on a web browser you can watch it or on your phone.
2: I'm I'm a big fan that they they were able to add those. The, yeah.
1: add the Texas Tech TV app into Roku
2: that's great because we have a Roku TV I was able to add that on instead of having to try to screen mirror or use Chromecast on the other TV in our house
1: never um, quite works right and it takes up a device for and it, three it's, hours it's on like
2: a weird delay and the longer you're in like your commercial breaks you get further and further behind so if you have to like push like the live button every time it goes to commercial and see if you can skip a minute then or you whatever miss, miss something yeah um so yeah, that it's it's been a really entertaining documentary series docu series, that's gonna be loud. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I
1: was wondering if it was. He was about
2: to throw an empty Gatorade bottle into a plastic trash can across <laughs> the room. I was like, that's gonna be loud. That's close. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, being able to catch one of these scrimmage. I don't know if any of them are gonna be on TV. Maybe the spring game in Frisco.
1: I, I was looking that up. I, I haven't found anything for sure. Because I'll be out of town this
2: weekend. uh, As will I. Going to a cousin's wedding in Dallas. Have a t-ball game on Friday night. Not that I would have really driven down to Midland to watch that. Now that I live in Lubbock. And then the weekend in in Frisco, we have more t-ball here that I'll need to be at. um, Where my actual manager of the team will be out. So I'll be interim manager head coach of a four-year-old four-year-old t-ball team it's full duty it's something man it's yelling at four-year-olds which i i quickly found out was a really, really futile effort frowned upon oh no. oh just not worth just it they don't nothing, respond i accomplished nothing but getting like screaming the parents like man who's that psycho out there screaming at my kid <laughs> And then like nothing actually changes on the field. So I was like, you know what? That's just making me more upset. I'm going to stop yelling. Yeah. let's (laughs) enough of the yelling. We also have a new practice plan that like we have, we're allowed defensive coaches in the field for the first half of the season. So we have, uh, we have four coaches. We all have like our little section of the team. And like, that's the, that's the field that we're responsible for. So I have three players in my, my section. My son's one of them and he's at baseball. He tries to be a good listener, but like as a four year old still has the attention span of a goldfish. So it seems, but he's, he's trying. I've, I've, I made a really serious request plea. I was like, Grayson, bud, I need you to be the example.
1: Oh (laughs) man. I got told that as a kid. Yes, sir. I was the example kid. Yeah. Look how I turned out. I'm great. He tries, which
2: I'm I'm grateful for. Yeah, we got kids on the team that like do not care.
1: No, that's good. That's that's all. That's all you can hope for at this age is a little bit of effort. You know, he's standing
2: there in his position, like in his ready position, like, Dad, when's it gonna be my turn to go bat? I was like, watch the ball. (laughs) He's like, okay, all right. Speaking of baseball, Texas Tech Red Raiders just finished up a five game weekend. Series, kind of. You had two two series. You had a three game series against Michigan Wolverines. It's too bad that couldn't line up a little bit better. Play the basketball and baseball at the same time, although that would have been a little more distracting. Trying to figure out where to put your attention. Um, you swept Michigan. You outscored them twenty nine to ten over the weekend. Eleven to two, ten to three, eight to five. Um, then Stetson and Michigan played on Saturday. I think Michigan won like 16 to 5.
1: Oh, I didn't even see that score. I didn't think about adding that to, yep. and then to
2: our notes. Well, it's just more like just FYI. And then Texas Tech played Stetson um, Sunday, Monday. You lost the Sunday game 5 to 7 in 10 innings. So it went to extras. Um, it required some late game heroics. You you tied the game bottom of the ninth. Um, the Doug Facendo pinch hit, two run double.
1: Yeah, because they were down 5-3, to three, right?
2: 5-3, yep. Uh, you tied it 5-5, five, 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 and then Stetson was able to put two more runs up in the 10th, and you couldn't answer. So you lose that game, come back and win yesterday's game 5-4. Um, I I turned this game on, Texas Tech TV. I got back to my desk after lunch. It wasn't working for me over lunch. Got back. It was all of a sudden working. Texas Tech was up 5-0. And, and then very quickly, after I started watching it's 5 to 4 i was like what is happening you did it it was me it you know? was it was definitely you it was my my jinx so i apologize for uh the closeness of that game texas tech was still able to pull it off um i got this sweet new baseball scoring book that i was able to try out uh for one of the games this weekend it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it the bob carpenter scorebook i wonder what keith uses i know he's he, he so he uses a version of the Bob Carpenter scorebook. Yeah. Um, this guy, he's the radio announcer for the Nationals. Um, he's developed this after like 30 years of calling games. He's got a TV version, a radio version, and a fan version. So the TV and radio version are for the professionals calling the games that like has more space and more area for details and stuff to keep them. Oh, a- I'm able an idiot. To, to put all the stats. I thought it was for
1: the person watching on TV, or no, the no, person no, it, listening to on the radio. It's for the guy yeah. calling it a game on TV. That call- makes so much more sense. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I, with you now. I got
2: the I got the version for fans, just because I'm not at a, at a point where I'm going to be calling a baseball game. That may be cool. I'm also I have a hard time like keeping up with like the scorebook on my own, let alone like trying to like call out a game and like also be taking notes on the side. Um I can't imagine doing both. It's been something like I, I picked up a few years ago scoring a baseball game that I've enjoyed
1: doing. Um anyways, Bob Carpenter scorebook shout out. Um and it's a good way to keep engaged. I've I mean I talk like I've done it, I haven't ever done it, but as a as an outsider fan of baseball, it would it would be a good way to to keep yourself engaged because there's there's a lot of times you may just wander off and go do something for a little bit just because mm-hmm. you, quote unquote, think something isn't exciting at the moment, but baseball can turn into something really exciting really quickly. So, you you know, for the, the kind of lulls in between the the really exciting bits, you <laughs> kind of need a little bit to carry you through if you're not a die-hard fan sometimes. The
2: other thing is... is I mean
1: that in the best way possible, everybody. Yeah, he's Believe he's, me. he's not
2: trying to put all those no. baseball fans down or no, the game definitely. of baseball.
1: Well, and I, you know, i the older I get, the more I like it. I just, it's just not, it hasn't been something I've searched for for years, you know, on the, on the TV.
2: It's also a way to keep track, like, because, you know, baseball guys, they track, they write everything down. Everything. It's a way that you can like go back in the moment and say, Oh, you know, I I remember Gabe Holt, this is like his third at bat, this at bat today. I don't remember exactly how how he did. You look he's got your scorebook right in front of you. He's like, Oh, he walked in the first inning and struck out in the fourth or reached on a fielder's choice and advanced on a pass ball and stole third and scored on a sacrifice fly. Like you, you, you can pull that up really quickly and it's like I remember he got on
1: base. Yeah. Well, if you try to pull up that kind of stuff, even with the stat sheets that you have available online, it's play by play or it's Mm -hmm. if someone asked you that question, you know, well, how did he do it his third at bat? You'd have to sift through a lot of, okay, all right. Play by play. It's it's, it's not it's not broken up by play. Let's start in the second inning and see, Okay, was that his third at bat, though, actually? I'm not quite sure. And and, yeah, it's it's so much easier to be able to look at that book and, and find exactly what you need. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun.
2: Also helps keep track of like trends game to game. You can like going into the game, you can say okay, Gabe Holt's 32 game on on base streak is still alive. You can track it through the game. I don't know if that's actually true or not. I think he made it on one of those games, the one game that was like concerned was going to get broken. I know his 11 game hit streak came to an end. Um I don't know if his on base streak, but one of the things that if you're keeping a better book than I am Or if you keep, you know, if you watch all the games, that's the other thing. Is like if you don't keep a book for all the games, and it's like, well, kind of, what's the point?
1: Yeah, but but it's still, it's fun. It's still fun. Something you can pick up here and there.
2: I'm enjoying doing that. It's also kind of cool to look at it. It's like you're writing in like symbol, like not symbols, but you've got like shorthand for everything. Like where, like if it was a single, double, triple, home run, if he was hit, if he walked there's a sacrifice how he was put out if there's a double play you've got three numbers there what does that mean it's it's kind of cool to look back on I was like man this looks like gibberish but i know what it
1: means <laughs> secret
2: language it's, that it's like, a code i understand
1: it's a code of the baseballers yeah you'd have to you would have to teach me this teach me this code i will teach you to baseball okay um Big 12 play resumes this
2: weekend. Texas Tech heads up to Manhattan, Kansas, take on the Kansas State Wildcats Friday through Sunday. Uh, games will be broadcast on ESPN three. Yeah, the
1: app. it said ESPN three according to Texas Tech's website on all three games. So it's hopefully we can the,
2: the basketballs off of ESPN at this point. Yeah, they don't got a lot of
1: stuff <laughs> they could show. It's not a lot of content left. So hopefully we can we can all tune in that way.
2: Mm-hmm. And then there will be two games midweek next week against. New Mexico in the Kirky. <laughs> Sorry, this was shorthand by Michael. A, that's Tuesday how Adam and I
1: it. say the Albuquerque. It's it's the Kirky.
2: You don't want to say like ABQ or Duke City? Nah, it's the Kirky. The Kirky. Um, on the Mountain West Network, so is this a, a TV network we have access to?
1: I don't think so. Probably not. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw it out okay, there.
2: Okay, well so then, then the, everybody...
1: Look for the radio broadcast, everyone The radio
2: broadcast 973 with,
1: um, Unless, I, unless I, you live in the in the uh, Kirky area, the Kirky. <laughs> and subscribe to the Mountain West Network, I, I think you better look out for Jeff Haxton somewhere. If he's, I guess he'd be on the call. Either way, it
2: depends on if there's a basketball game anytime soon. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how the days work the out. Lead eight
2: schedule would look like. Could be Sunday.
1: About. Yeah, the logistics of getting to An- Albuquerque's on the way back. Sure.
2: It's a, he has to fly separately from the rest of the basketball
1: team. Yeah, it's on the way back. No big deal. <laughs> you just like drop him off. <laughs> yeah. Just shove him out with a parachute. We're some we're somewhere over New Mexico. You'll be fine. Look for I-40. Er, er, er,
2: there's a big mountain there. You, you should be fine.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: all right, man. You want, to, you, you want to get some questions? We got three from Brian.
1: We got three from Brian. I'm ready. So ready. Except I'm not. Hold on. Okay.
2: Brian asks us, one, top three apple varieties. So I don't know if I can go three. I, I'll give you my top two, and the rest of them are just like, I don't really care because they're either too mealy or too mushy or just junk. Number one is Fuji. They're crisp. They're sweet. It's not honey crisp. Those are junk too. How dare you? Fuji's good. Um, and then
1: green apple. It's that's granny Smith. Yep. You've got those. That's, that's the two. all you need. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to order them, but Honeycrisp is up there, my friend. No, it's not. Honeycrisp is there. It's trash it's like the Gala apples How are. How dare you? It is not. Those are mushy and like not sweet. They're not even tart. Don't you compare Honeycrisp to, to Gala apples. Jazz apples. I like me some jazz apples. <laughs> I'd have to try. I don't know really jazz. You try jazz. I, I used to like Pink Ladies, but I think they've gotten a little bit... Too crunchy, if that makes any sense. The the last ones I've had. And then there was one apple, and I wish I had asked my wife about it. There was one that some random guy, of course, once some random guy from idaloo No, some He's random guy from, from the, the orchard at there. United was telling my wife the, the kind of apples to get, and you you realize quickly when you're married how often random guys just speak to your wife in public when you're not there hey hey now yeah it kind of <laughs> uh, you know watch it brother and, and and it's just something that women have to deal with a lot in general but it just kind of rubs you the wrong way but whether he was a creeper or not he recommended a heck of an apple but i can't remember the name of it <laughs> it was really good and it was kind of a, a limited thing. It was one of those hybrid ones that has only been around for a few years, but it was delicious.
2: So was that, was that apple variety breeding article? Was that shared on Slack from our, our taking the planes guys? It was. Okay. The, that was something I hadn't really thought about was the proliferation of, we we like apples, the apple, uh, tree. Yeah. And And, and, Seth is a big apple fan and not the tree as like the plant, the actual plant, but the, uh, everybody had like a red delicious and that was like the only apple available. And and you're right. They're trash. They're there's, it's just the worst of everything possible about an apple. Um, but then all the genetic engineering and crossbreeding that goes into creating these new breeds of apples that are, um, crisp and super sweet or crisp and tart or soft and sweet. Um, any combination of, of those or anywhere in between, um, if Michael can find that really quickly, we can share that with no, you. No, I not, I can't there's, find there's,
1: it. I'm I'm still gonna look for it. So it just kind of while, while we're in between everything,
2: or little video. I can't remember, but it was fantastic, eye opening. If Michael finds it, we'll we'll share it in the show notes. Um, Brian's second question: least trustworthy fruit. So I'm I'm not sure how to take this.
1: Okay, I I think I know what I know what you mean there, Brian. Every time you buy it, you take a chance. Every time you buy it, it could, it's not like it's consistent and it's not like you can even judge whether or not it's going to be consistent. You may think you've found the perfect cantaloupe and then you get home and it's just crap or, and, and cantaloupe's not a great example because even if it's not very good, you can go ahead and cut it up and just leave it in the fridge for a little while and then it'll kind of get softer and it'll, it'll ripen a little bit. You know, it, it'll have a little bit of, of give, but something like that, that's the way I look at it It's where it I, and I think one of mine and what was how did he word it least trustworthy least trustworthy fruit I think bananas up there for me, even though I buy bananas every week and i I've you know I probably throw out like two bananas a year i I buy I eat them and I buy them and you it's not a big deal and you eat them yeah, it's not like I'm just stockpiling bananas the the issue is you you kind of have trouble deciding well should i get five should I get six should I get seven i don't know and then and then you realize later oh my gosh i've got four left yeah and, and it's and this one's bruised because like sitting there for so long this one's bruised <laughs> like the you know those those bruises you'd get when someone would kick your shins every now and then you get one of those bananas that's just bruised six inches down the whole thing and you're like well this is just this is just garbage i've got to throw this away so or make banana bread right Yeah, I guess you could. But that one's okay. That one's really not that untrustworthy. I I can't think of another one. I've had some bad experience with uh, those little halos, those little mandarins. Mm -hmm. Every now and then you get a batch that's just dry. Yeah, there's like no juice in it. No juice makes no sense. You're just chewing on pulp. And then after about four or five of them, you're like, that is, nope. These are all terrible. Every one of these are terrible. And it happens about every fifth or sixth bag, and you just decide, nope. These are all going in the garbage. Uh, I think berries are very untrustworthy because they all look delicious. All and berries look
2: the, fantastic. They have such a, like a short season too, and like you can grow them out of season, but it's like the taste of in season berries. Yeah. So I I would probably have to agree with you least trustworthy. It's gonna have to be an out of season berry. Yes. Where like you're taking a shot, like uh, this could be really sweet, or it could be really tart, or it could be bland pretty Pati- be skin
1: yeah and particularly I, I think strawberries are up there just because they that, just and, and, and they mold taste like so water quickly. yeah if you get a bad strawberry it's just kind of like you're eating yeah dirt leave water
2: <laughs> but and, and the way they're packaged in those little plastic containers you can't tell yeah, well, you, you, you can't tell how they taste, but like it also. Well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> while it has holes for it to drain and, and air out, whatever will still grow mold in like a day.
1: Right. That's what I mean. Is you can't you can buy it, you can get home and open it, and, and then like, four of them will have mold, and you didn't know that <laughs> until you got home because the way they packaged them and they it was all moldy in the middle. Yep. Okay. I think I think we settled on berries. That's probably the least trustworthy. That or peach. Yeah, peaches are hit or miss. Because you think peaches are definitely hit or miss. I don't want a crunchy peach. No, those are the
2: worst. Like they're like underripe. Yeah. Like they
1: were too soon and
2: they're a little drier. Yeah. They're not sweet. A dry, crunchy peach is the worst.
1: <laughs> no. Pass. Which
2: you would think you'd be able to feel, but I, it's been a while since
1: I, I purchased a peach. No, and they smell. They always smell delicious. Oh, they smell so good. Every time they smell delicious. We, like, we, oh, okay, well, I got to get me some peaches because it just smell. You walk in and you just. You, you smell it
2: from the door. You're like, they
1: oh, probably got, I'm getting some today. Well, they probably got, you know, bath and body stuff floating around and <laughs> scentsy and everything. But you walk in, you know, oh, well, peaches, they're going to be good today. And I'll put them in a little brown bag and make sure that they're nice and ripe. Nope. Yeah, we had a peach tree in our backyard at
2: Hobbs. We li- literally did nothing to it except make sure we watered it every now and then, like when we thought about it. Um, it's our first experience having a fruit tree. Didn't know all the little tricks of keeping birds out of the tree, like hmm. they're like tree nets or the like shiny the stuff, discs, the CDs in there. Yeah, um, not that we could have eaten like half of the fruit that we were able to still salvage all that tree a peach tree from Hobbs surprisingly good peaches
1: we had you know back in Merkel Texas we Merkle. had uh peach trees and apricot trees and every now and then those apricot trees would just make like crazy and we'd give as much away to people as we could and uh excuse me my mom and my grandmothers both sides they'd make preserves and we'd have cobblers and we'd have, we'd, we'd freeze them and we'd make ice cream, like Mm -hmm. peach ice cream or topping for vanilla ice cream. Or anyway, it was, it it was surprising how much those trees made because they looked terrible and they were old. They'd been around a long time and just kind of, I mean, dad did a great job watering them. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, but those trees lasted forever and they just made it just about every year. Peaches were a great thing growing up. That's probably why I have such a trouble with grocery store peaches. Well, so
2: here's my experience with that. We found this farm between our house, my my parents' house in Mesquite, Texas, and my grandparents' house in Natchez, Mississippi. There's a peach orchard in Ruston, Louisiana. Um, Ruston is home of the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. But there's a little... um, peach orchard and I'm blanking on the names we would just call and we were going to stop for rustin peaches. peaches um, like you would literally drive up to this person's barn and just buy 25 pound boxes of, of, of peaches and we found out it's that like late June early July like 4th of July is like the best time to buy peaches straight from the farm Mitchum Farms yes that's them. Good, good peaches. They also sold like preserves, like peach preserve. Like they basically just like sliced the peaches and then put them in a jar <laughs> with with a bunch of sugar. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. They also had like blueberries and stuff. Not their game. It's peaches. <laughs> so if you're going through Ruston, Louisiana this summer, stop by Mitchum Farms and get a 25 pound box of peaches. Because you will go, th- like, that sounds like a lot of peaches. You will go through and be like, I need more.
1: <laughs> I've got to go back.
2: On my way back through Rustin, I'm going to get another box. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, third question from Brian. Best Easter slash spring seasonal candy. What you got? Starburst jelly beans. You and my wife, my goodness. They, They're the best thing. She, that, uh, she loves both of those candies, like, by themselves?
1: Me too. Me too. So the
2: combination is just, it's, sorry, I'm trying to move and readjust and I'm kicking everything.
1: I've somehow resisted the urge to buy them this year and I don't know how. And Have you seen them yet? I have seen them. Okay. And That's, no one has brought them to the office, which is great. But just know that when they do, I'm just going to live off of jelly beans until they're gone. <laughs> they're yeah, fantastic. They're by far my favorite.
2: Uh, it's, it's a food group to itself with Samantha is jelly beans.
1: Yeah. It it's, it's one of the things I I can't keep around the house. Um, for me, gosh,
2: tried and true Cadbury eggs, the Reese's peanut butter
1: bunnies. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter, any shape or the eggs, the Reese's peanut butter eggs. Yeah. I'm good with those jack-o'-lantern. That's still good at Easter.
2: The white chocolate ones. We're pretty good. Oh, those are, yeah. pretty good.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I can see why people don't like them, but I've always liked white chocolate. Um,
2: I'm not a fan of, like, that those brick bunnies. Those like, chocolate brick. Or the, the hollow point? ones. What's the point?
1: No, with, with the weird eyes that don't taste any good anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's just strange. Um, Brian
2: says, better believe I'm running through cartons of double bubble Robin's eggs.
1: That's some good stuff.
2: The Robin's eggs, yeah, I can get. So, the one thing I think everybody puts out the speckled
1: ones are the best <laughs> even though I think they all taste the same speckled Our, um, ones are still the best
2: the one thing I think is like height of Easter spring seasonal candy are those stupid peeps yeah those mu- those marshmallow ra- rabbits well
1: then all those recipes come out on Pinterest and on YouTube and everybody here's how you use peeps to make and they're melting them and What's doing the rice crispy treats you're, or something with them
2: why not just use regular marshmallows at that point yeah. Um, so they did have like a cotton candy flavored one or like a blue raspberry that was... It's a texture thing as, for as me. good as you're going to get with a peep, but yeah. So when I was um, serving for my my, my missionary service with, with my church when I was younger, we were in, in in the training center over Easter and one of the guys in our group, his mom sent him like crate of peeps <laughs> and nobody wanted to eat them so like we basically like created um, like risk style armies with them and we battled them in the hall oh well there you go like we had hundreds and hundreds of peeps because then w- another guy that was like that lived close to the area is like hey mom that was a great idea send me some <laughs> so we had <laughs> literal crates of peeps that we were just jacking around with I think that's a good use for them that's about all, all they were good for. Um, thanks, Brian, for helping us talk about food, our obligatory food segment on the 23 Personnel Podcast. That's right. We made it. We did. It, it, had, it had to come all the way to the questions section. We, we did skip the intro because um, we were just too too focused here we come. on getting ready for the Sweet 16. Yeah. Um, I have a quick going yard update. I mowed my yard for the second time this season. I was actually a few days behind. I mowed it yesterday. It could have been mowed on Saturday, but we were running around. We had that storm come through Friday night. um, So the grass was too wet. Then we had baseball pictures and a baseball game. So I got out there yesterday, mowed it. Oh, the yard looks so good. It's.
1: It needed it. It's that's what's strange. That's what's strange is as much as I, you know, give you grief for mowing in May I mean, in March and looking forward to it. Your yard did actually need it. Check that and out. He's showing me a picture right now, and it, it does look pretty, pretty spectacular. I see you went with the parallel to the driveway lines I this week. It's,
2: it's just easier to keep them straight. Yeah, which I'm not really good at keeping straight lines. But if you're if you do stripe your lawn with, you have to have longer grass. to do If you do stripe it, it has to be with the sun. So like. Okay. Only going to see the stripes if the sun is behind you. Right. Or like, yeah. So the sun has to be behind you. So you have to follow the track of the sun. So you basically have to do east and west stripes.
1: Yeah. And your house faces west. So it, it, it helps because like, like
2: I'm either looking at the stripes in the morning or I'm looking at the stripes coming home or my, my neighbors are looking at the stripes coming home in the afternoon. Um, I will break out the checkerboard pattern later on this year when the grass gets a little bit longer. I'm, I'm starting to raise the mower up, so I I mowed it short the first time. I raised it up one, one full setting, um, partially because it was it was overgrown for that setting. It was like choking the the mower. <laughs> too much too much <laughs> too, grass. Too much grass. It's growing. Um, and I went ahead and and put down my first application of of fertilizer. Man, I'm. Kicking this uh, this winter dormancy's butt, I'm, I'm I'm gonna get the rest of the yard back. There are a couple of spots that are more dormant than growing, um, but that soon will be remedied.
1: Well, I'm glad that you've you've enlightened us on on your ability to mow. <laughs> well, here's the straight. Other
2: Here's the other thing for the rest of you guys that are growing Bermuda lawns. It's probably still a little early, you may be, you may be able to be able to get out there and, uh, look at scalping your lawn here pretty soon. The baseball field we were practicing on is a Bermuda grass. I was like, I was looking at it. And I was like, Oh, there's that green tent that you need to right. be looking for. It's there. So it's go happening. So, I've noticed that in my, in my lawn as well. If you're starting to see green, go ahead and, and, and chop down all the, all the grass you've got, because that's, that grass is not coming back. It's the green stuff coming from the ground. Um, one, the mowing will help stimulate the root system, the plant, as a whole, to grow, so it'll it'll kind of kick itself into gear. I think that's why my grass is coming out so quickly now, because I did mow it. Um, but you're you Bermuda guys, get ready to throw down your first application of of uh, uh, some fert. You can you can go to the the good old box store and get you. If you're gonna do fert, you can do milorganite. Who now? It's called milorganite. M I L organite. It's um, it's a. What do they call it? It's an organic biosolid, so it's gonna smell like straight up crap, <clears throat> because it is. Um, it's from a treatment plant, and get this, Milwaukee, Millorganite. Well, there you go. <laughs> but it's it's sold basically at like Lowe's and Home Depot everywhere. Um, it's like a thirty-six pound bag, and you put it down like. Ten plus plus pounds per thousand so most yards will just take just one single bag the bag I think is fairly cheap because it's just it's recycled poo it's like 13 or 14 dollars you can just put that down once a once a month the uh, the thing that you have to be prepared for is the smell (laughs) but just know the uh, the organic material in it and the uh, microbial microbial action in the dirt, your grass is
1: going to love it. So I, wear, I can find this at any box store?
2: Home Depot, and I think Walmart's had it before too. And it's fairly inexpensive. Like I said, it's about $13, $14 a bag. Most ho- homes in our area will just take up one full bag, spread it as evenly as you can, you will see, like when you do this, and your grass is, is full growing, like in, in the growing season, when when you put this down, in like three days, three four days, your grass will change color. Like like blue. It will it will get a, a little bit of a blue tint oh, to it. Oh come on! Oh you know, come on! Because of the iron in it, it's got iron in it, which helps darken the color, and it'll actually push towards like a dark green, maybe even a a little steely blue. Mm. I mean it's not going to be like like clear water ocean blue.
1: I prefer steely dans.
2: <laughs> Anyways,
1: I think the I think the apple that I really liked. Oh, here we go. Sweet tango. Sweet tango. It's all one word. Sweet tango. Sweet tango. Sweet tango. I think that was the one that we were recommended to get and I really liked, but I I couldn't tell you. There's so many apple varieties. I was over here looking at them. <laughs>
2: That's what you're doing, like your eyes not
1: glazing over, right. like looking it, at apples. No, I am. And this was the one that I think we got that we really liked. And it says, with its outstanding flavor and remarkably loud crunch, remarkably loud crunch. Sweet Tango has earned its position as a top pick for apple lovers. You know, actually, I don't think this was it. Dadgummit. It it was really juicy. It was one that when you cut it, I mean, juice just was like just coming at it everywhere.
2: Hey, there's a mic there.
1: <clears throat> it's fine. We're an hour and a half in. Nobody's listening.
2: Nope, not anymore. Especially after <laughs> I have to ramble on for like 20 minutes about spreading poo on your grass.
1: Yeah, just basically taking a a, a butter knife <laughs> and getting out on your hands and knees.
2: <laughs> um, it's one of those things where like you don't want to store it in your garage. So <laughs> where do you like, go well, no, on the no, back like, porch, no, I no, guess? No, no, no. You buy it and you apply it. You use all of it. You, you you put it out there and you just you just know that like when it gets wet, you're gonna smell it, but the heat of the day will kind of help break it down. Um it'll go in a, yeah. it'll go away in a few days. <laughs> the but, heat of the day will help with something. Um it's definitely really, really good for your yard. And like I said, it's really inexpensive and it's one of those things where you can't over apply it like you're not going to burn your lawn like you would if you or like you could if you over applied some like synthetic fertilizers mm-hmm. which aren't foolproof. Malorganite is really foolproof. Like you you can't
1: overdo it. Malorganite. Malorganite. Malorganite sounds like
2: the bag has a picture of a house. They actually ran a contest for this last year. They like they asked for people that use Malorganite to send pictures of their house and they picked uh-huh. a winner to be on the bag this year. Dude uh got like a Years supply of stuff, just a,
1: it's like a dump truck full of crap. Yeah. Congratulations, brother. The here's some fertilizer that sounds like it was a rejected Harry Potter villain. Yeah.
2: So if you're interested, milorganite.com. Like I said, it's M-I-L-O-R-G-A-N-I-T-E. malorganite It's slow-release nitrogen fertilizer. It's natural. Stinks. Really good stuff. That's
1: how you know it's working.
2: Yep. Michael, what did you learn this week?
1: I learned one thing. Let's hear it. We, every now and then, to kind of mix things up, we'll get a HelloFresh subscription. You have to explain what that is. I don't know what that is. HelloFresh is you log on to their website and you pick out three meals for two. And here,
2: here. I'm, I'm, I'm now our, one of our favorite uh, radio hosts. Oh, oh,
1: wait. Oh, he's going to... He's going to really mic up the keyboard. Let me see. I haven't heard it. Oh, there you go. Oh, that sounds good. He's typing. He's typing so much in there. You really have to bang the keys for that to work. Yeah, you, you've you got to be purposeful with your typing. But HelloFresh is it's one of those box meal places where they send you all the ingredients it's and a the great directions. Corrections, right? Yeah, they, they send you the ingredients ingredients and the directions to make three meals. And I think I broke my mouse. Really, all you need is some cookware and I think butter and olive oil, salt and pepper. Those are kind of the basic things you just need around.
2: Get $80 off your first four boxes. So this is not a cheap
1: meal planning. It's not super cheap, which is why we don't do it very often because my wife has figured out a way to uh, To fake it. Well, she'll, she'll cancel it and then she'll come back later. When there's some deal,
2: yeah. Right now it's eighty dollars off. So right. like your first four boxes are twenty dollars. So, twenty five dollars a box, right? Which regular is cheap.
1: Price. R- regular price, it's probably. I think it's sixty. Regular price, it's about sixty bucks for three meals. But if you get their deals that they run quite a bit, you can get those same three meals for twenty five bucks or something. If you're if you're looking,
2: usually nine dollars a serving.
1: Yikes! Right it gets kind of high. So that's why we don't do it often. And we try to time it where one of those, she's got one of those deals. We'll not try. We, that's the only time we get it anyway. So we had Sorry. that go on. We had that and she usually cooks them one. She's a much better cook. She's faster and she enjoys it as well. And, and she wasn't feeling good this last week. And so I said, well, I'll cook one. I got this boo. I got this. And Hey, the house didn't burn down. Um every no one had food poisoning everything went pretty well I I cooked the figgy balsamic pork which was really delicious it's got a it was two little small pork tenderloins that you kind of sear in the skillet and then finish in the oven then you cover with Ah, oh, thanks buddy it took me that long to find it I so well, it's it's worth it and then you cover a uh, cover it with the sauce you make And then you had roasted green beans and rosemary potatoes on the side. And it was, um, all, all the meals have been pretty good. Some of them have been much better than others. Some of have just been kind of ho-hum, but it's fun. If you get the deal, it's, it's quote unquote worth it. But I mean, our little girl doesn't eat (laughs) food really. So we can still do the, the, the two portion meal and, Everybody will still get fed. If, you know, she'll eat one bite off of our plate and then go back to her veggie straws. Or, which are really good, by what, the way. Man, veggie straws are surprisingly good. They're kind of like Pringles. Yeah,
2: it, you open a bag, you just don't stop.
1: Yeah, uh, the,
2: the zesty ranch, way to go.
1: I agree. We we didn't like them because they got her hands kind of gross, and she of course then would like touch everything. rub it on our face or something. <laughs> <clears throat> but the the zesty ranch was surprisingly good. I, I polished off a bag of those myself the other night,
2: which you don't feel bad about doing because they're vegetables. They're vegetables, and they're baked.
1: Yeah, they're even green. Some of them. Yeah,
2: green, yellow, and orange.
1: Yeah, naturally colored. I'm sure. <laughs> sure. They're they're not
2: like as bad as veggie straws may sound. They're vegetable chips. Yeah. Super tasty. Yeah,
1: they're they're really great. They're hollow, so that's mm-hmm. kind of fun. They really crunch because you've got yeah. four sides. It's a good chip. And you just... <sighs> pretty good. That was bad. Those veggie... The veggie chips they make, too, are good with hummus, if you like hummus, which I do. Big fan. I like ranch. Would also work with ranch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the ranch-flavored chip dipped in ranch. Yeah. Or dipped in a ranch dip.
1: Double double up. Double or nothing. Yep. All right, man. What else we got? I yeah, don't anything? know, man. I I think.
2: <laughs> Sorry, this wasn't meant to interrupt you. This is just our. I
1: mean, no, this is all we've got. We've just gotta. We've got to let this ramp up a little bit, and then see how we do against the Wolverines. <laughs> all right, everybody.
2: with that I'm Spencer that's Michael thanks for joining us on the 23 personal podcast as we get ready to take on the Michigan Wolverines in the sweet 16 thanks for joining
0: us
1: California here we come. right back to where we started.
0: Across California, school food professionals are using their skills to develop recipes that incorporate fresher ingredients and more scratch cooking. Learn how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.